Once the coronavirus pandemic passes, we'll all be getting back to business. But getting back to business for bars and restaurants might be particularly challenging with potential social distancing requirements and consumers who will remain cautious about being near others. In this episode, I speak with Bar Business Magazine's Art Sutley and Ashley Bray about what a post-COVID-19 world will look like for bars and restaurants and how owners and operators of these establishments can best prepare for this new normal. Enjoy. Joe Tarnowski here with ECRM, and I have with me Art Sutley, the publisher of Bar Business Magazine, and Ashley Bray, the editor of Bar Business Magazine. And we're going to talk about how the coronavirus uh, pandemic has impacted the bar and restaurant industry, but we'll also get, get into what they can do about it now, and even more importantly, how they can prepare for when everything is done and they're getting back to business. So, guys, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So to start off, uh, for those who may not be familiar with your publication, although I'm sure just about everybody in the industry is, can you give an overview of Bar Business Magazine? Sure. So uh, Bar Business Magazine is 13 years old. Um, right now we're being read by um, over 90K um, bar owners, restaurant owners, nightclub owners, restaurant owners, uh, also managers and food and beverage directors. We are a how-to publication. So we're completely built for industry. This is not a magazine you're going to find um, out there unless it's being sent to you because you fit our criteria as an owner operator. And, you know, we developed this publication to help the industry elevate. How do you promote that somebody is doing something great with a food and beverage program that's maybe residing in Texas? How do we teach that to everybody, somebody that's in New Jersey or Florida or maybe in Illinois, and that they can adopt this and elevate their business. So we're really trying to connect them with other bar owners doing the right thing, and also what products and services are out there that they can implement into their business. And that's really where, you know, Ashley Bray um, comes in as the editor. Um, she's out there researching products, um, looking at different restaurants and bars that are doing great things, and reporting it to the industry. Oh, well, speaking of that, Ashley, since your ears to the ground all the time, what is happening? Take us through a timeline of, you know, once this started getting bad, you know, and then the, the lock, you know, lockdown and up until where we are now. What, what's going on? What are you seeing? Sure. I think it started out slow. We, we thought maybe it would be something that was limited. A couple of bars started limiting occupancy, um, spacing out tables. But then I feel like we hit the ground running and it exploded. Uh, Seattle was one of the first places we saw that actually shut down bars and restaurants. And I think that's when I first started to realize, oh, gosh, this is going to, you know, travel across the country. And now we're, we're in the thick of it. Uh, we just went through the first of the month with rents due. That was a hardship for bars and restaurants. They also... Um, are still collecting taxes from these establishments. A lot of bar owners and operators have gone out there and tried to um, lobby to get those reduced or delayed and it's varying measures of success. New York was a big one, for example, where they did not delay it. They just said, all right, we're gonna, we'll forgive interest and penalties on these payments. But they've been dealing with, with that. You know, you're not, you don't have the money coming in. How are you gonna you know, pay these taxes, pay the rent? Uh, so we have had places that have already shut their doors. Um, I'm anticipating more will do so but there's also been a lot of creativity in this industry uh just to find ways to stay in business find ways to continue to serve customers and, and put out the food and beverage products that people are used to receiving so it's definitely been a roller coaster ride over the last month or so 
Yeah, can you talk about some of the ways that some of the creative ways that these guys are trying to you know stay alive and and, and get some business? Definitely. We've seen a, a little bit of everything. Um, takeout and delivery obviously is, is leading the way. If a bar or restaurant hasn't done it, they're definitely doing it now. Uh, aside from that, people have gotten really creative. Uh, so a lot of states have relaxed the regulations surrounding selling beer, wine, and liquor. Typically, you couldn't get that to go. Um, but now states have relaxed that and said, okay, if you're giving out takeout, you can also sell these products. But in order to distinguish themselves uh, instead, instead of just selling beer and wine, they're also selling batch cocktails. So I can go to the liquor stores, which are still open, and buy my favorite bottle of wine. I don't need to go to your bar for that. But now they're getting, uh, they're batching their cocktails. So let's say I have a favorite drink at my local neighborhood bar that I, I'm really missing. I can go and I can get that to go in a big batch that serves two to three people. So that's been brilliant. A lot of these places are also reinventing themselves as a grocery store or a liquor store. We've seen this in a few examples of bars and restaurants doing this. They get on social media and say, all right, we are now, like Mr. Paradise in New York was one that did it. They came out and said, we are now Paradise Wines and Liquor. So they sell those batched cocktails. They sell beer and wine. Uh, I just put a story on our website recently about a restaurant down in Florida called Oceans 234. Their menu doesn't lend itself well to takeout. So she said, how do I bring in money? she uh, transitioned to a grocery store. And so all her sitting stock and inventory, she now sells to people as grocery store items. So I think bars are really getting creative. That's, uh, that's really cool. I actually have a restaurant around the corner from me that did the same thing. It's uh, called Nino's AQ. Um, and they're an Italian restaurant. And they switched over to a marketplace format. So now they're selling packages of, of pasta because they make their own pasta sauce they're doing the batch uh drinks that that you were talking about and they even changed their seamless account to reflect that so now you can pick by the ingredient instead of buy a meal and i think you know the first couple of days they were selling out by the afternoon and you know do you think this is going to change the way people think about delivery and takeout i do i mean you know, something I wanted to touch on that, that Ashley spoke about where, where they changed the perception of what the restaurant was, that those savvy bar owners realized liquor store sales were up and they said, wait a minute, cocktail delivery has not really been something that the U.S. has embraced. I mean, literally before this um, pandemic broke out, I was at a um, conference where they were talking about how we were moving towards this direction. In maybe eight months, 12 months, we were going to be at a point in time where you were going to see a lot more larger chain and national counts starting to do small cocktail delivery. But states weren't having it then. And I think it was kind of an overload, right? Like all of a sudden this happened. Every state says, free for all, we want to help you start selling cocktails out of your door. Nobody was prepared for this. But yet they left the liquor stores open and people were going to liquor stores in droves and they were skipping over the restaurant because it's not something that's accustomed to them. They weren't saying, looking to themselves and saying, well, you know, I'm going to swing by that bar and take a cocktail to go. That's why it's on premise. They're used to drinking it on premise. So they had to change the perception and say, you know what? If you know what a liquor store and you're going to there currently, we're going to change ourselves temporarily and we're going to just call ourselves a liquor store or a grocery store. And it worked for a lot of them. And I think that was really, really an important pivot for some of the establishments to say, okay, this isn't the time to try to teach America 
about delivery cocktails or cocktails to go. Let's just make ourselves familiar to something that they already know. Uh, that's really smart because how do you make that pivot so fast? So in the actual rebranding that way is one way to do it because if somebody's searching on Seamless or something and they see that, okay, well then, like you said, they're accustomed to uh, liquor stores, but not necessarily the, the restaurants doing that. Um, I also read that, uh, and I was wondering if you guys are seeing this in other areas. I read of, there was one independent grocer, I forget where, but they actually started working with restaurants to make their prepared foods and stuff. And then they were selling the restaurant's prepared food as prepared food items in the grocery store and giving the money to the restaurant just to, to help them out. And are you seeing collaborations with, you know, other retailers? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a space, right? Like, everybody's looking for the next space, right? Grocery stores have a lot of space, right? Mm -hmm. um, you're seeing it from the beer standpoint where they're actually, you know, selling growlers and doing more craft, you know, craft programs in a supermarket. And that's just something that we're not accustomed to seeing, but now we're seeing more and more. And I think um, the supermarkets are being smart about it, right? They're not trying to get into a business that they don't know. They're not trying to say, hey, let's start preparing like restaurant type quality food. Let's partner with somebody who does it really, really well on their end. And let's just give them another platform, another area in order to, to sell that. So I think it's smart. Um, and I think Ashley, you've seen some of the same programs as well. Um, Cause we've talked about them from a beer standpoint of just that type of partnerships. Totally. I think it's important right now to, to, everybody says, let's get through this together. So to team up with who you can, where you can. And the other side of it is marketing. Um, Joe, you mentioned seamless. I think social media is huge right now because the people you're appealing to more than anyone are your existing customers. You want to make sure they know that you're still there, that you're still offering products that you have these new takeout cocktails. So you have to make sure you're blasting that out on social media. Communication is huge right now. And I, I, I think one of the things I'd like to say, too, is because I've been seeing this a lot, and I think this is important for owner-operators or people out there to understand, we have seen, and all of us have seen, an overwhelming amount of GoFundMe pages for staff. Um, great opportunity to help the people, especially as a regular customer, um, help the bartenders and servers that you see a weekly um, my issue with what I'm having with some of that is I've noticed that, that owner operators have just thrown pages up and say, help me fund my staff. And they actually have not made the first donation. So if there are owner operators listening to this, I don't care if it's $50. I don't care if it's $500. Be the first one in there and show that you're not just dumping this on your customers and saying, hey, well, I'm closed. And if you want to help these people, you can. We understand that all owners are in a difficult position right now. So the number, the amount of money doesn't matter to me. It's the fact that they're making the effort as well. And I think that the people that are tapping into that have the best success with the GoFundMe pages saying, hey, you know, tough times. I'm going to start this out. I love my staff. I can't wait to get, um, to get open and get back into the, to the swing of things. But they have to make that first initiative. It looks like they're just dumping, out, dumping it on all their customers. And let me tell you something, we have a lot of choices when it comes to GoFundMe pages. I mean, I visit a lot of places being the publisher of Bar Business Magazine, and I wish I could give to every one of them, but I can't, but that's what I'm watching for. I'm watching to see which owner is making the initiative to say, 
And I got to throw a little in here too. Like these are tough times for my staff. Yeah. They're standing behind their message. Uh, that's why I, I found it so interesting. Like Ashley, to your point about social media and, and jumping on that and engaging your current customers. And then also art, what you just said about, you know, finding ways to take care of your staff. Uh, that's why I was so blown away by what that rest, the restaurant that, um, that I talked to you guys about, uh, the culture collective and the three restaurants they have, mm -hmm. what they were doing with the virtual happy hours was just, was amazing. And I'm not going to get into too much detail here because I interviewed them on a podcast before. I'll just put that link in the notes, but just in summary, this restaurant was doing a virtual happy hour and cocktail class where they had, it was a zoom meeting. They invited all of their regular guests through social media. However, uh, and there was two of their bartenders. One was in the bar. One was at home presenting four different cocktails with entertainment in between. But the cool thing was it cost $10 to participate and every, uh, all of that money went to the bar staff and they ended up getting 120 to 130 live participants. And they also had a tip jar, which also went to the bartenders. So I, I thought that was cool and, and just a unique way to kind of solve both of those things, to kind of keep people engaged and also to kind of draw support. And they're, you know, they're putting their, the effort into making it happen because there was a lot of work behind it. I think that's a good way to distinguish yourself than just a regular GoFundMe page like Art was saying. Um, we've seen a lot of that too, virtual happy hours. I had a bar that we wrote about a couple months ago that did a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire style trivia show with a couple of its bartenders and they raised funds uh, for the pool of money that they would give to the, the winners and the way they did that was you could vote by ordering uh, the cocktail represented by that bartender to go on that restaurant's menu ahead of the event that happened last Saturday. So it's, it was just, I think, a really fun way to get uh, your customers involved and give them a way to, to donate and support staff other than just you know, putting up funds on a GoFundMe page. So we had, There was one, um, I believe it was out of Boston, um, that I actually saw on social media. I don't have a connection to the, just somebody that, that follows me. Um, in the magazine, I happened to see um, their information, and they were actually raffling off um, dates with the bartenders and servers, and it will be in the bar. So it's not like they're going outside somewhere. They're keeping it in a safe location. But when all this is over, um, you can have a dinner, hang out, and just have a night with the bartender not on that side of the bar. And it was, and it all went in the pool. It didn't go to that direct bartender. They pulled everything together, but some of them were going for $850 and $1,000. So people are really trying to help their establishment. It's just coming up with the super unique ways that you can get through this crowd because there's a lot of noise right now saying, help me, help me, help me, help my staff, help us. How do you stand out from that? Because right now, pretty much all bars and restaurants across the U.S. are shut down and some are, are, are limited staff doing takeout. Like, how do you fight through that? And we've seen some really stellar people that have sat down and thought some really good things through. I like that idea, too, because it's money, but, but it will also encourage people. It's for when it opens up again. So it's, Correct. it's to drive traffic for later. Uh, what about the pure bars, right? Like, I know here, the, anybody that serves food or has a menu can stay open for takeout and, you know, and delivery, but the bars that would, you know, like an Irish bar that I go to, just a bar with peanuts. 
they had to close down. I mean, is there anything that those bars could do to stay open? I'm not as familiar with the the regulations and how that works. We we've seen something where you had to require um, food with takeout uh, to go cocktails and drinks, and someone got around that by offering their house check mix, checks mix, um, or like a special mix they had at the bar. So it could be something as simple as that. I know Art's probably seen um, similar examples to that. Yeah, I mean. I think this opens up the door too for for bars that don't offer food to start really looking into um, ventless kitchen items. I mean, you have so many options out there, like um, Dona Italia, which is a ventless uh, pizza system that you can have. Um, some of those people are trying to get those in their establishments right now because they didn't have it. So they're like, wait a minute, I need this to keep the doors open. I think this is going to be a um, an eye opener for those establishments to say, okay, I need to, to have something because we actually, we don't know if this is going to come back around again. We hope not. And we're doing everything we can to, to, to pray and, and stay inside so that it's, this doesn't happen again. However, what do we do if it is like people need to start realizing you need to offer some food items in case of situations like this. Yep. And have you guys heard, Anything about how the virtual kitchens are doing? I mean, obviously, those ghost kitchens are probably the best set up for something like this because they never had a physical space to begin with. Um, I'm curious to know if those are doing well or not. I mean, I think people are, I mean, we see people ordering, right, a lot. They feel comfort, comfortable with that. There's not um, a situation where we've got to the point where people are saying, you know, takeout is bad. So establishments that chose to have an off-location kitchen just for, ta uh, just for delivery, um, you know, they're in a good situation right now because, you know, yes, their main location might be closed or, or they might be functioning with both or they've closed down their larger establishment, which is a, which is a higher uh, maintenance, and they're running everything out of the ghost kitchen. So I, 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 they're doing well. I think you know, we're very happy that things like Grubhub and Seamless have stepped up in most of the cases and reduced some of their rates for restaurant owners to hold on. Um, I think that was 100% necessary. I mean, they, they, they could have capitalized on it a lot differently, and they understand the greater good is to keep these places open and not to have these um, delivery fees for this, you know. I, I'm calling this a, you know the hospitality industry was in a great situation. We were elevating, we were moving fast, we were um, doing a lot of great things and the trajectory on where we were was just constantly going up. And that's not gonna change in what the future is gonna bring. It's gonna be a little different, but this is a speed bump and this is a really, 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 really long speed bump, right? It's a slow speed bump. But when we come out of this, we're gonna be going again. And, and the key is that it's a speed bump. We didn't hit a wall. This is just to slow us down a little bit, and this is where we need to step back up for what we need to be doing for the future. Speaking of the future, and it's a perfect transition to that, what are some of the things that bar and restaurant operators should be focusing on now to prepare for when this is done? And then after that, we'll get into you know what what they might expect, what the landscape might look like then. But what should they be doing now as far as Re, you know, reevaluating the business and, you know, maybe new menu items, things like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass this over to Ashley to start. I do have some stuff on this, but Ashley just did um, a couple great stories on 
talking to different individuals out in the industry and, and, and what we're seeing. And I think she can give some um, good ideas of what the landscape could uh, possibly look like. Obviously, we don't know. Um, but then I also have some things uh, to back that up. So I'll, I'll, I'll pass this one off to Ashley to start. Sure. Um, I just wrote an article on what the industry may look like in the wake of COVID-19. And I think the biggest takeaway that I found is that it's not going to be business as usual. This has kind of um, changed the landscape of uh, consumer demands, consumer expectations. And I think bar owners, in order to prepare, need to, number one, look at social distancing. Because even if we get out of this in a month or two and life goes somewhat back to normal, there's a lot of people, especially the older demographic, that aren't going to be ready to crowd into a bar in the way that they may have in the past. So I'd look at your bar stool seating, look at the space between tables, look at um, the capacity of your bar, and if you want to fill it to that capacity or if you want to kind of reduce the, the amount of seatings. Uh, cleanliness is also a big one. Not to say that the bar in restaurant scene hasn't been clean. It, it has been, but the standards now have been elevated, right? Like it's no longer enough to just say, yeah, we have a clean kitchen. Don't worry about it. Your customers want to see that your chefs and your cooks are wearing masks, that they're wearing, you know, medical grade gloves, that they're not in streetwear, that they're in maybe some chef coats, uh, that you're doing everything you can to make sure that the food that you are serving people, you know, from start to finish is not contaminated in any way. It's, it's you're using clean surfaces, things like that. So that is going to be another big part of that social media push of marketing. Let your customers know what you're doing in the wake of this new world we've we found ourselves in. And uh, other than that, I think it's just going to be preparing for maybe a little bit less traffic flow, especially in the beginning, because people are still going to be leery, I think. And I'm going to pass it over to Ark. Yeah. Some examples. Yeah. And with that, with that traffic flow um, um, component, you know, I, I do believe when we come out of this, I, I don't think they're going to open the floodgates to everybody and say, hey, it's time. Go about, go about your business the way you did, you know, seven weeks ago. So if there are lower um, occupancies in restaurants and bars, that's a difficult thing, right? Like bars and restaurants that I've consulted for, when you start building your plan, you're looking at, okay, what's your overhead? And your overhead is your rent, how many times you can turn over tables in order to generate revenue. But what happens when they say, hey, for, for a specific amount of time, um, if your restaurant holds 250 people, that number is not your number anymore. Your number is now 175 because we want you to move people and distance them away from each other. And we don't want tables right next to each other. Obviously, in the New York City setting and L.A. and Chicago, we've all been there. They, they really pack those tables in there for, to get as much out of the square footage as they possibly can. So this is going to be difficult for even when we when this opens up and we can start going back to business. This is going to be hard because it's not going to be business as usual. And our numbers are going to be different. But yet their overhead is not changing. Their landlord is still going to expect a specific rent for the space for that, that month. So what I'm going to start proposing that if it goes that way is that we need to start lobbying hard for our governments and states to allow cocktail delivery to continue. So if we can't have as many people in restaurants and bars dining and hanging out in there, we need to find the revenue from somewhere. And that revenue can be found from to-go orders and delivery orders going up in size. And the way to do that is allow cocktail delivery, right? Because we know uh, restaurant and bar owners 
make a good return on liquor sales. So we need those liquor sales to still go out the door and be able in a delivery system. And I think we'll be much more prepared um, in delivery once we can kind of get on our feet a little bit. This was kind of like thrown at us. Like people didn't have the right cups. They didn't have printed recipes for things that maybe you can't pre-batch and maybe the customer has to do a little in-home mixology when they do get it and they can follow a recipe card. So we're going to need to be sure that we can fight for that because we're going to need to make it up somewhere. And I do believe, um, and I think Ashley believes the same way, is that we are going to control how many big groups we can be in. Like, I don't see 250-person weddings happening when we come out of this for a while. There, states are going to look at that and say, hey, people flying in for weddings, that's all we need is to start again. So, you know, these are the things that, that we're going to have to change. And we're going to have to change the landscape on, on how we do business as, as, a, as an industry. I wonder if also the social media and virtual things that are happening now are kind of going to merge with that, right? So maybe, okay, you can only have 175 people in this place now, but we can hold a virtual happy hour at the same time for those people that are not here. You know what I mean? Like, and then deliver them drinks. You know, I, I, it'll be interesting sure. to see how they merge those two because I don't think the virtual happy hour is going to go away. I think it may kind of be an omni-channel thing down the road for those people that can't make it but still want to kind of get in on it. You know, maybe it'll be funny if each bar station has its own little camera that's tied into the Zoom meeting so that everybody can participate. But I, I could see, like, different things happening in that area because I already see it on the retail side where they're already thinking of ways to kind of blend the store and digital together. I think anything's possible. And I, I think bars should also look at that virtual realm as a place to um, give education because a lot of bars do um, tastes. They, they give uh, seminars on different spirits and their origins. And I think virtually, uh, virtual platforms are a great way to do that, right? And then you can charge people. You know, it's, it's X amount of dollars to sit in on this session. And then you're kind of unlimited in the amount of people you can bring in and have participate in that session. So I think the sky's the limit in terms of the virtual platforms. Yeah, what about, and, and messaging. Messaging and social media is going to be more important than ever because, like you said, people are going to have different expectations. All of us are far more aware of social distancing, of people wearing gloves, of sanitation and sterilization. And they're, they're going to know or they'll feel more comfortable if you're letting them know, including in your messaging and marketing, hey, by the way, we're cleaning up. We're wiping down at the bar every person or whatever, but just kind of reassuring customers. Because like you said, it is going to be a different world. And people are going to have different perceptions when they enter any establishment. It's going to be essential. It's going to be essential for people to show that they've made these changes because one, okay, there's a demographic out there who this affects um, uh, way more radically than other individuals. We've seen that. So what do you do for the age demographic that is in that um, real scary position where if they do get this, Things are very tough for them. So our older, um, you know, diners and, and drinkers, they need to feel that reassurance, especially people who have, you know, you know, immune, you know, problems or asthma. They're really, this is very scary for them. This is scary for somebody. And I'm a guy who works out all the time and I'm hearing about people 
who are totally fine and it really beats them down. It's really tough for them to get out of this. So there needs to be a comfort level. And I think using social media and, and showing that they have made these changes um, is going to be essential because if somebody goes to their favorite establishment, but they feel like now when we come out of this, that that establishment is not doing as good of a job as this other establishment over here, they will change because this is their life and their health that they're talking about. This is no longer the relationship. I love that bartender there. The owner's a great guy. It's, I don't want to get sick and I don't want this to happen to the, to the world again. So we need to really show that we've made the changes and down to an independent owner or a chain, this needs to be their messaging moving forward. It has to be in their marketing and we're all going to be tired about hearing about COVID-19 and we're going to like shake our head every time we hear it. But even when we come out of this, it's going to be a part of their marketing to show that they've made the changes. I'm seeing it right now on TV from places like, um, Papa John's, Domino's, um, Jersey Mike's, they're all talking about how they're doing, you know, touchless food operations. They're trying to make us feel comfortable and showing us that they are making the efforts in order to still get you something that might be your favorite pizza or your favorite sub. So it's essential for the restaurants and bars to do the same thing. I think it's important to start doing it now too, Joe. It's, it's going to make a difference once we come out of this and people start uh, dining in again. But right now it's huge too because a lot of people are leery about ordering takeout or ordering curbside pickup. So make sure your customers know that you are going the lengths, going to more lengths now to clean and to ensure that the food that you're offering is, is safe and, and, and is good. And the way to start doing that is through social media, on your website. Now is really the time to start prepping for when you open back up. What I think uh, is happening is those operators who were really good at social media before this all happened, they're doing a lot better now than the ones who are playing catch up. So by the same token, the ones who are preparing now for what's happening next are the ones who are going to do better. And so what about non-digital things, but what about operationally, numbers-wise, menu-wise? What are some things, you know, human resource-wise, what are some things that operators should be considering during this time, you know, maybe trying new things out, you know, while, you know, to gear up so that not only when they open, you know, they can address the expectations of the consumers, but maybe they can improve their business, you know, maybe they can reinvent themselves. So what are some things that they should be looking at? So I see, I see a bunch of owner operators right now, you know, I guess there's a couple different layers to this. I see a bunch of owner operators being very aggressive right now with saying, okay, my staff's out of work. I'm going to rehire them and actually have them coming in, cleaning, painting, put, but they're ordering new furniture, having them put together new furniture. They're making improvements to their business. They're not just sitting back. And I love to see that. Now, not everyone's in that position to do that right now if cash flow is a problem. Um, I think a lot of owner operators should be researching technology. Um, I think that's going to be a big player here in the future. Um, individuals who maybe want to now like tab out from their table without having to wait for the check to come. There might be a time where a little less human interaction is going to be better, um, which is, you know, semi contradictory to what the hospitality industry has been. We've, it's all been showmanship, guys behind the bar making beautiful cocktails, running around, that movement, that flow, 
that excitement is what has driven environments for people to want to go out and, and dine and, and have drinks. So I think they should be looking at some different technology upgrades. Um, I think it's an opportunity now while you're down, you can do a lot of learning. Um, Ashley and, and, you know, you know, her stable of writers have just been, you know, she has driven over time on getting content out there on what people can be doing now instead of just sitting back. If you're sitting back on your heels right now and taking this as a punch to the jaw, you're going to come out of this and it's going to be real hard for you to get going. You need to be educating yourself now on what products are out there to help me. And not all of them are very expensive. A lot of them are affordable and start finding out what you can add to your business now while you're sitting back in order to come out of the gate stronger when expectations are going to be at the highest level. I think Art makes a good point. Technology is huge right now. And bars should also look at the technology they currently have, their POS system. If they have a robust system, one that's been made in the last few years, they have a treasure trove of data in that system that they could be accessing right now to look at what are their top performers on your beverage menu? What are your top selling food items? I think long-term, you need to look at your menu and, and kind of scaling that down. Because if you're making changes in your back room and your kitchen and cleaning more and maybe changing the way you're going about preparing food, that may take longer. And you may not be able to have all of the options on your menu that you did prior to COVID-19 happening. So one of the big things to do, I think, is to look at your top performers and what sells and what does well and to do that to the best of your ability and to market it and tell people this is safe. This is, you know, this is what we're doing. This is our process. So start at the POS level because that Every transaction is in there and that data is king and that is all of your data right in there. So I would start there, evaluate what's been going on in your business and kind of go from there. Great. I think that, uh, also it might be a good time. I mean, a lot of these guys had to let people go. Mm -hmm. So that means there's a lot of great people floating around there. I think maybe they should start courting some of these top players that are out there for that once things get back to normal, they can steal them for their own. I, I think that, you know, any staffing is like the hardest thing in the restaurant industry. And I think a lot of people get comfortable because they know people and, and maybe there are five and not a 10, but they keep them around. And, you know, I've always said, you really need to push for the best staff. You need to have your A team all the time and you need to try to keep them for as long as you can. So, now is an opportunity to say, okay, this person was a five and, you know, maybe they've gone off and done something else. This is your opportunity now to get yourself an eight or a nine. And it might be not the next person you hire. You might have to go to another person, but you have to consistently drive to find those individuals that are going to sell um, your business and be a good fit for what your image is for your business. And, you know, we're, we're in it. We're in a very interesting time right now. And you know, Ashley was talking about like changing up your menu and looking at things with the POS system. You should be also looking at who rings your highest, who are your best people. And if they are, this is the time to have them train the other people. Like in our daily lives, it's very difficult. A bar owner, you have a thousand things thrown at you in one day. A lot of them have the POS systems, have all the information Ashley was talking about, and they don't look at it. They don't utilize it. Right now, you should figure out what beers are selling the highest for you and start setting up what your schedule is going to be for when you come out of this and have your top performing products be your specials and push those because this will get you out of it. 
And I think this is the time in order to do that. Now they have other problems. I know it's, they're not sitting back on their couch. They have other financial problems, but this is the time to now take what your crazy day was running around a bar, what orders are in, what orders aren't in, what inventory you have, set it up now from now till December, set up your schedule. You'll have to move it throughout the year, but come out with a plan. Mm -hmm. And that's what restaurant owner and bar owners need to be doing right now is have that plan in play. I think, I think another big thing is too, we've talked about marketing the bar and marketing the establishment, but I think the people, the bartenders need to market themselves as well. Cause Joe, like you said, there's a lot of people out there who are stellar top, top notch bartenders in the industry. And if you've been laid off or if you're not going to go back to the establishment you were with, start building yourself up on social media. If you haven't already, if you don't have a Twitter account, get one because this business is built on the people. They themselves, a lot of times become celebrities. They become known figures in the industry. And so if you're not there yet, now is a great time to start building that platform so that when you do apply for a job, the, the new bar establishment looks at that and says, Hey, this person's got a following. I really want to bring them in. So maybe they can start maybe, you know, building the road uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on, you know, I see those who use the most uh, in my neighborhood anyway, the Instagram and uh, I know Twitter, you know, some people would, uh, some companies used to do the Twitter tastings. I don't know if they're still ha they happen. They were big like eight years ago. I don't know if they're still uh, big anymore, but they should be. Um, but a lot of these bartenders, I guess they could start using, doing videos of cocktails that they're making at home and building up that engagement so that you're right. Once, when it comes time to choose between one and the other, you want the one who's going to bring their following into your bar, not uh, somebody that nobody knows. And I think they're, they're, they're going to online seminars and stuff. I mean, we're working with some groups right now to put together some training programs um, for um, bartenders, food and beverage directors, um, about how to elevate their cocktail knowledge and their style of bartending. I know that because I see it, I, I'm on all of the social groups, the bartender social groups. They're all looking for training. Like they're not sitting back and saying, hey, we just got knocked down and we're just going to wait till our bar opens up. They're using this time while they're stuck inside to like watch videos on how they can elevate themselves. And that's only helping the establishments they're either going to go to or the establishments they're going to go back to and, and help them, um, you know, generate more revenue for themselves and for the bar. So um, training programs are key. So, um, Instagram, I know a lot of bar uh, bartenders that are using that. They have their own personal page and then they have their bar page that they build up. And that is the page they, they post about where they're working. And those are the individuals you want to find that Ashley was talking about and saying, hey, you know what? We need them in our bar because look at her following or look at his following. So I, I think that's a great move um, to really start looking at your staff and, and get ready to come out of the gate swinging. We have to be aggressive. This thing knocked us back. Now it's time for us to knock it back. So definitely, definitely. So any uh, parting thoughts? Um, Ashley? Sure. Um, I think it goes back to what Art said. Don't sit back on your heels. Um, apply. I would, one thing we did not mention that I want to make sure we get across. We have a um, page on our COVID-19 resources channel on the Bar Business website with all types of funds and aid. And I think that if you haven't applied for any of that yet, definitely look. U.S. Bartenders Guild has a huge relief fund. Um, the CARES Act just got packed, passed by Congress, which has a lot of unemployment benefits, loans, things like that. So apply, 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 because it can't hurt. You might not get it, but if you don't apply for it, you, you have no chance. And then other than that is, yeah, prepare, plan, use this downtime that is 
never, it's never happens in the bar industry. You're, you're going 24 seven, 365, use it to plan and to, to do things that you haven't had time for in the past. So maybe less Tiger King and uh, more education. <laughs> I think if you haven't seen Tiger King, start there and then the education. <laughs> gotcha. There you go. Art, how about you? So I, this is our time to, ch the landscape changed on us, right? And, and what we're going to see coming, coming out of this. This is our time to really have to talk to our, not only our local, but our state governments in order to change, to allow us to change with the landscape. And that's going to be very, very important from a revenue standpoint. So I think we really need to all hunker down and be strong together through this, but also be fighting for our future, which is going to be a different future. Um, social, dining, um, sporting events. So food and beverage sold through sporting events. That's all going to change. So I think we need to change and elevate together. And, and we can't do that. It's very difficult because everything's set up in different states and everyone's got different rules but we all have to have the same voice and we need to go to the same people in different states and fight for the same exact thing. So it becomes nationwide. So it's not that, Hey, California and New York did it, but Florida, you know what? They don't get to do that. We need to, everybody needs this platform to change and we're going to need alcohol delivery um, and cocktail delivery to stick with us for a while and hopefully moving forward, maybe this jumps us into where, where I thought we were going to be eight to 12 months from now. Maybe we're getting into it earlier, but we still got there. And that's what we, that's what we need to be doing as a whole. And uh, I think we're going to come out of this uh, a stronger, different group of hospitality people for sure. Excellent. Last question. Who's the dude behind you over your left shoulder? Oh, so, so this is my little, this is my in-home little bar. Um, all the alcohol is actually on the bottom, but that guy is actually a Irish mist from 1962. Um, and then back on the back bar, I have a Canadian club from 65 and a doers from 63. So those are all my vintage, my vintage bottles for a rainy day of which this is now the rainy day. <laughs> uh, now's the time. Now's the time. Well, Art, Ashley, thank you so much uh, for your time and for the insights. And I really can't wait to get to hang out with you guys in person at one of our sessions again. <laughs> Done. Deal. Thank you, Joe. Right. You guys stay safe. Thanks. Thank you. All right.